Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. Drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Alvey's going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Alvey. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for an inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves Farm System and Braves Prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryPower.com, formerly TalkingChop.com where I've been the deputy site manager for the last uh, three, four seasons, something like that. And I've been running the minor league side of things since 2015. Joining me as often is my co-host, Garrett Spain. You may rec- you can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB. Garrett, how are you, my man? <laughs> I am good. I keep I keep double-clicking the mic and muting and unmuting very quickly. But uh, I, uh, I don't know about you, but... I think after kind of the weird off season, the uncertain off season and, you know, kind of seeing the team win a world series, I feel very, a little bit of renewed invigoration for the, uh, for baseball right now. Like it's kind of, I'm as excited as I've ever been to start a season. Like I'm just, you know, you know, like I am excited to, you know, wake up every day, you know, we get an opportunity to cover, you know, the world series champions and cover all these guys. And it's been like, I don't remember having this uh, much enthusiasm in quite a while. Well, it's nice, too, in the sense that for us on the minor league side, there is going to be a lot of turnover. Uh, And I know that sounds awful to say, right? I know that, like, you know, we're supposed to be super excited about, you know, the guys like Shea Langoliers, Christian Pache, you know, just got, like, names that we've been covering for a long time. But when we have a shakeup like we're seeing this season, for me, it's like, you know, like, well, I mean, there's a lot more, like, kind of time and, you know, just overall attention we can give to other guys and, you know, quote-unquote down-ballot guys when we're looking at things in the minor leagues. You know, you don't have to constantly be keeping tabs on what, what's going on with, you know, Christian Pache or Shea Langoliers because those are the big names. You know, those were, you know, the top two prospects in the system and a lot of – or at least among them. And now that, you know, they were traded away from Matt Olson, we can kind of, you know, start like trying to figure out what the system's ultimately, how it's going to shake out, uh, how, how hierarchy is going to happen. And like when that turnover happens, you know, for us on the one hand, uh, this happened back in, you know, 2018 where a bunch of guys graduated or were in the process of graduating and we kind of got to re, like kind of rediscover the minor leagues in a lot of ways. 
and this does have that kind of feel too. I'm with you too on the lockout. Just kind of it, we, you take for granted that baseball is actually going to happen until there's a chance that it won't happen. And there was a chance that, you know, we we're going to lose, you know, major league games, which would have been a real bummer. The minor leagues weren't going to be affected except for the guys who were on the 40 man roster, which would have made, you know, covering the triple A pretty much a nightmare. And it, it was, a, there was a lot of uncertainty as to how we were going to handle content. It was going to be a lot of uncertainty as to how to kind of, you know, treat baseball in 2022. But fortunately all that got sorted out and we're now well into spring training. We're have, you know, the opening day is right around the corner now for both the major and minor leagues. So, Garrett, I'm going to kind of throw it to you here. Kind of talk to a little bit about what's been going on in spring training in terms of information that's known, you know, guys who are were in major league camp and maybe aren't anymore, guys who are still there and performing well or maybe not so well. Just kind of give us kind of a, a bit of a Cliff Notes version of kind of what's been going on. Well, we'll start with Michael Harris, as we did last week, who – Played really, I mean, he looked really good this whole spring. I had a rough last game kind of thing, but you know, there was never really any chance that he was going to make the roster. He got sent down yesterday, um, after the game and you know, he had a, or two days ago, one of the two. Um, and you know, it was kind of a, uh, it was a good spring for him. I think that he kind of showed, you know, he kind of showed the Braves where his progress was and you know, he's probably not a huge factor in their thoughts this year at any point, if he is a factor, then he did something ridiculous at the minor leagues that none of us were expecting, but he definitely put himself more on the map in terms of going into camp next year, showed some of the flaws. You know, we got an opportunity to kind of get a feel for, you know, there were a lot of things that I got a feel for in terms of where he was in terms of some of his flaws in terms of how he handles certain pitches. But overall, I mean, he looked really good this camp and I think everybody came away blown away with what he did overall um on the opposite side of guys that struggled uh indigo diaz had a rough outing the other day he had a rough yep that's that's a kind kind description of what happened he had a rough fall and he's kind of been on a run which you know i mean obviously fall league was you know six months ago but he's been kind of on a uh, rough run of it after having a ridiculous season and so uh hopefully uh this is not a sign of things to come you know Again, it's one outing in spring, like, you know, and he's getting caught by, you know, I don't even know who the catcher was. Like, oh, it's Chadwick Trump. Hey, yeah, I was about to say, don't, 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 it don't Chad Trump. Chadwick I Trump. Trying, I tried to remember who it was. Like, it's like the fifth best catcher in the system is catching, you know, he's playing, you know, at the, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Like, it's just, and that is a thing too. Like, you know, a lot of these lower minor league guys are working with catchers that they've never worked with before. And that can be, Sometimes an adjustment for them. Uh, it was a rough game for him. The biggest thing though is, is all of every single one of the guys that are competing for rotation spots, uh, Wascar Noah, Kyle Wright, um, Kyle Muller, Spencer Strider, Tucker Davidson, they've all looked really, really good. Uh, Tucker Davidson's last start, he threw three perfect innings, struck out four guys. Um, his slider looked really, really good. Uh, Spencer Strider pitched a day, had a couple walks, you know, there were some questionable calls. His changeup looked inconsistent, which we kind of expected. It's one of those things that he's still getting a feel for, but he, we saw flashes of like, that's a legitimate yeah. pitch. And yeah, there were some think, good ones. Yeah. There were some good ones in there. Uh, Kyle Muller 
you know, again, inconsistent with the command. Uh, he's been working on the changeup quite a bit this spring. We saw maybe 10 to 15 of them the last time he went out. Maybe not 15, but about 10 of them the last time he went out, which is more than he ever throws in a game. So it's very clear that they're kind of focusing on that I, for them. It kind of looks like, you know, what we've heard is that they're going to go to six, a uh, six man rotation. You know, and Wright are pretty much in at four and five, and it seems like the competition is kind of sit for six, and it seems like it's between those three. But it kind of seems like Tucker Davidson is the guy that's going to get it, um, just based on major league experience and all of those things. And I'm fine with that. I mean, I think that's a decent three to start out with and see how it goes. But I'm, I think, you know, for Strider, it's looking at what he's doing against major league hitters. It's kind of pretty clear that he is going to impact the major league team this year at some in some way. Um, whether that's as a late season call up in the bullpen or whatever it is, it seems like he's going to impact the team. I just don't think that he's going to make it out of camp, um, which is, again, fine. I think that he needs to work on that changeup, and I would much rather him work on that changeup at AAA, where if he has a bad game with it, it doesn't matter, versus, you know, in the middle of a pennant race, he's out there, you know, throwing changeups down the middle. Probably not ideal, but I'm fine with that for him. It's nice to see that. He's working really well against, uh, major league guys. He's not, he doesn't seem to be particularly rusty. His command, you know, kind of came and went today, but overall, that's kind of been the case for him overall. Some days it's good, some days it's bad, but he looked really, really good stuff wise. Uh, he was up to 101 the other day. Uh, we didn't have, um, Unfortunately, did not have a game day or anything like that today, so we don't know what he was throwing today. But we know it was going fairly hard overall. I mean, yeah, some, someone said he hit a hundred, but I'm not in like yeah. the second inning. But I'm not. But you know, yeah. we don't have that. The so. stadium gun and the broadcast gun were both completely different, and we didn't have game day or savant, so we're not really sure what's going on there. But uh, he looked really good. Muller uh, looked really looked good. Um, Overall, but Davidson was the one that definitely came out and impressed. I mean, he went out and dominated in that game and kind of, I think that was kind of the way he's looked at it in the spring. I think he kind of has separated himself as a guy that you feel fairly confident is going to get that third, you know, the third of the six spots. Yeah, it's an interesting situation with the Braves, particularly with their pitching staff, because with expanded rosters, I could see a world where more of these guys, guys, make the team out of camp if they're already on the 40-man roster. I just want to go ahead and put that out there. If they're not on the 40-man roster, just forget about it. But it wouldn't be like a crazy idea to me, especially if the Braves feel like there's some guys that either they don't have confidence in like wanting to go out there for five, maybe six innings. Maybe you have them go out for three and then have, you know, someone attached to them is like that they come in and kind of relieve them. And whether that would be Muller or Strider or, you know, something like that, I could see that situation happening. It wouldn't be shocking to me if the Braves kind of carried a guy like that as opposed to, you know, grabbing kind of just like the regular non-roster invitee reliever types, right? Uh, this is particularly relevant because Luke Jackson uh, has dealing with an elbow issue. It doesn't sound too serious, and it sounds like if he were to miss time in the regular season, he'd be back sometime in April. But this early part of the season is when they're going to need more arms than usual. And at that point, maybe you start thinking that some of these, you know, these starting pitching prospects that are on the opening day roster, maybe you can 
get them some innings in the bullpen and kind of do some quote unquote bullpen games where you know one guy he throws three innings and then another guy throws three and then you just leave it to the rest of what is a really stacked Braves bullpen to kind of close it out from there. I don't have a great read as to kind of what the Braves want to do though, because it seems like they're keeping Spencer in camp for a long time, but I also think they're pretty hell bent on having him start. And if they want to really get him stretched out and seeing how well he does, you know, going five or six innings, throwing more than, you know, 30 or 40 pitches, getting into that 70 pitch to 85 pitch range to kind of start the season, maybe AAA is the best bet. It seems like there's going to be plenty of opportunities given the number of guys that are going to be carried on the Braves roster uh, in their rotation or the bullpen. We also saw Jacob Webb, you know, sent down to AAA camp because he has an option for reasons I <laughs> and we're going to talk about this. Uh, spoilers for everybody. Uh, one thing we're going to be talking about in the second half of this podcast is we're going to be kind of revisiting, and this is be the last revisiting we're going to be doing as we lead up to the actual minor league season. We're looking at our midseason 2017 list, uh, which uh, features uh, Sean Newcomb prominently. But I'm not. I, I get why they decide to keep Newcomb because he's out of options and they can't do that. And as a result, you know if they try to get rid of him, then they may be just getting rid of him for good right out of camp, and they don't. They may not want to do that, whereas Jacob Webb had the option. But when, you, when you're basically forced to sort of carry a guy like Newcomb, I think that maybe they need to have some like more high upside options uh, and guys who can maybe take some longer innings so that they can avoid using a guy like a Sean Newcomb in rough situations. So it'll be interesting uh, the, 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 how the – Braves handled these last few rotation spots and specifically whether or not they choose to like say, hey, you know what, this guy has the reins. If he can go six innings, then we're going to let him go six. Or they might say, you know, we'll let you go one time through the one lineup and then we'll send in, send this specifically assigned guy to do it again. And then once they do that, once they do that, then they can get into the actual, you know, the night shift part of the bullpen where the guys who their mission is to close the game out. I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't keep Pat Harrison camp a little bit longer, but at the same time, I, I, I do understand that they kind of want to get him back, you know, working with his team, working with the guys he's going to be playing with down there in minor league camp, getting him the instruction that he needs on a, on a more specific basis. In the major leagues, you know, it's just, you know, go do your job and, you know, when you bring a guy like Michael Harrison to camp that you want him to just kind of learn from the other guys around him, whereas, Maybe they felt like that they, he could benefit some more, you know, specific instruction that was kind of away from the cameras and all that stuff. So I, I get it, but at the same time, you know, he, he was drawing a bunch of walks, stealing bases. The only thing he really didn't show in spring was power. And we know that he has a ton of raw power in his bat. It's just how much it's going to play in games is going to be an open question. It's one of the things that we're going to be watching most closely as we kind of get into the season here. But it's been a lot of fun, you know, Spencer. He continues to be this prospect case that astounds me as a guy that was picked in the fourth round of a five-round draft that we just did not have high expectations for at all. Uh, we, the people we, like, Matt had heard his name, but he was not a guy that we were necessarily expected to even be drafted. He wasn't on any lists. And he just, we started hearing some whispers that, hey, this guy has a really live arm. And you say, okay, well, we'll keep an eye on him. And then those first couple starts down there in Augusta, uh, blew our hair back and we immediately, you know, started really digging in on him. And it turns out that's a really, really special arm. And you're right. I think that's an impact arm that the Braves are going to have in either in the rotation or in the bullpen, depending on how things go at Gwinnett, what the, the major league teams needs are. 
Uh, I do think that the Braves want him to start, but I also think that if there are issues in the bullpen and they need a really kind of high-octane arm, I don't think Spencer's going to turn down another opportunity to pitch in the major leagues, and I don't think that the Braves are going to, you know, completely, you know, say, hey, we, you are never going to be a reliever for us. We only want you to start, uh, just because the stuff is so good in that role when you, when you're throwing 100 miles an hour, uh, with the slider that he was throwing today, he doesn't have to have that change up yet to be good as a reliever. But overall, it's, it's been fun, man. Like, it's just, you know, again, it's been a weird spring for what we like to do in, in terms of covering the spring because they've been, you know, optioning guys down so quick, you know, like Freddie Tarnock made one appearance and then he was down, you know, even Alan Ron Howell was, it was a very, you know, quick appearance. He was gone. He, he got sent down a week ago. All, all, all these guys that we like to see getting in like multiple games, a lot of action, uh, in these spring games because spring training has been condensed so much. Uh, they're just kind of, they're getting quick cameo appearances in a lot of cases and then being sent back down, particularly if they're not on the 40 man roster. Now they're keeping some guys around to, you know, <laughs> Make no mistake, all the major league regulars in that lineup, they're getting three at bats and then their their games are done and then they're kind of bringing in some guys just to kind of, you know, weather the storm a little bit. One note that I did want to mention, he's not exactly in our purview anymore because he's uh he's graduated from quote unquote prospect status, but uh William Contreras, uh one hit a home run today, was what that was nice to see. He was playing catcher, although it was really interesting to hear Mike, uh, Brian Snitger saying things along the lines of that, you know, he's going to be playing some of the outfield in AAA and, you know, potentially could be playing some other positions as well. I didn't know if positional, you know, versatile, inter, you know, position player William Contreras was on my bingo card, but, you know, it's something that's out there right now. They seem to like his bat. It is a curious thing to say, though, and again, it might just be something that Snit just said kind of off the cuff, not necessarily indicating any sort of long-term plans. But without Shea Langoliers at AAA, Contreras is going to have all the, you know, reps that he could ever want at catcher. You know, it's not like Chadwick Trump's going to block a guy like that unless they really feel like they want to move him off of catcher and get him into another position. My guess is that there'll just be situations where he won't be catching all the time down there in Gwinnett and that they, but they still might want to keep getting him at bats. And so they'll put him at right or put him in left just to kind of see what happens. You know, just let him play in the outfield a little bit, get some experience out there in case they need a back, another backup outfielder and they want that high, a decent bat to come in in a pinch and they want him to have some, you know, some game experience doing that. But it definitely did catch my eye that, you know, William Contreras outfielder uh, was something that was going to be happening because I would have never, ever thought that was going to be the case. I, you know, I, I know he had some issues catching last year, but he's certainly not a guy that I was thinking that they would be moving off the position, but maybe they're just trying to give him some reps elsewhere just in case that the opportunity arises elsewhere. Someone gets hurt. Someone, you know, is going to be out for an extended period of time and they don't want to go to a guy like Drew Waters, which has been, who has been conspicuously absent uh, <laughs> since he had that hamstring issue. Uh, it's another spring where things didn't go exactly right for Drew uh, from a health perspective. Hopefully he comes back soon. So that's pretty much all we got for the the, the minor league side for in terms of what's been going on in camp. Where a lot of guys have just been getting optioned down. The major league team has been gearing up and getting all these other guys stretched out, getting the multiple bats a game. So we haven't been able to see a ton of guys getting a lot of action. Uh, they've been just going straight to minor league camp and you know pl- you know playing scrimmages against each other, doing all their workouts down there. So when our next episode next week is when we're going to start digging into what the rosters, or at least what we think they're going to look like for each level, uh, previewing kind of what our thoughts of who the guys were really excited about going forward uh, for the 2022 season. But 
This will also be the last episode that we're going to be doing one of our prospect list retrospectives. And when we get back from our break, uh, we're not going to be doing it, you know, again, like once we're going to get into these, you know, 2018, 2019 lists, it's kind of too hard to grade how well the job we did because a lot of that's still kind of a work in progress. But we did have uh, a really interesting list from midseason 2017. So if you're wanting to follow along at home, make sure you look up that list. Uh, is uh, Spoilers is the first list where we had Ron Lacuna Jr. as the number one prospect in the Braves farm system. We had him there before basically anyone else. I can't think of anyone that had him there before us. I'm pretty sure that was the running joke uh, with the Fox guys and with you know Grant McCauley and all that is that we kind of you know took a leap on him before anyone else. And that that list in and of itself is a really interest. This is gonna, and when we get back, we'll talk about it. Is how we took a lot of risks on some guys, and we jumped ship maybe a bit early on some guys. But before we get into that, we're gonna take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com. All right, Garrett. It's the infamous 2017 list where we definitely made some, uh, we definitely took some reaches on some guys. Uh, we definitely maybe jumped ship or at least downgraded a bit too much, uh, for I think a very specific reason. And it's a, something that we certainly learned from. Uh, the 2017 midseason list that we made, uh, again, this was the, this was after it was just you and I making lists. This is the whole crew, Garav and Matt getting together and getting these lists put together. Our top five for midseason 2017 was Ronald Cunha Jr., followed by Ozzy Albies, Kevin Maiton, uh, who I think that Matt may have had somewhere in the, that may, may have had at number two. He had the, uh, Matt was a big Kevin Maiton guy. Uh, Mike Soroka at four and the newly drafted Kyle Wright at five. Let's talk about this top five a little bit because I remember this one being, I think we all had talked about and, you know, had just, it was basically decided amongst us that we just couldn't justify keeping Ron Acuna Jr. out of the top spot anymore. And this was coming out of uh, a period of time where, if memory serves, he had played in Florida, and this was right around the time he got promoted to AA and was mashing, and we kind of just made the decision that that's where he was going to be. What was your kind of your thought process dealing with this top five, uh, you know, in terms of placing Kyle Wright where we did, you know, where the, all the other guys are? What were some kind of some decisions that you kind of remember, the best of your ability anyway, kind of going through your head? Well, I'll say – I don't, it was not clear that 
we were going to go Acuna over Albies. It was actually very similar to the midseason 2016 list where we were split right down the middle on Acuna and Albies. Um, myself and Gaurav had Albies at one. Matt and Eric had Cowards. Acuna at one. Yeah, and uh, the only difference was kind of similar to the midseason 2016 list. Matt had Maiton at two. Which that's bumped, what it was. I remember now. Yeah. Which bumped which bumped Albies to two because Albies was at three on his list. And um, obviously, you know, at that time, you have to Acuna has looked really good at Florida, but he had a very he had a very high strikeout rate, which was kind of some of the reason I was a little hesitant to go ahead and bump up to one immediately. And but keep in mind here, you know, me having Albies over Acuna like that's. Like at that point in time, for I think for all of us, we were splitting hairs at that point. Like I don't think that yeah, I, it, it was none it of wasn't us were hot, like none of us yeah, were like who is the best. No, like it was very very close for us. Now for everybody else, we looked a little crazy. But for us, we thought you know that's about where it was. But you know if you talk to anybody internally within the system at that time, they agreed with us. Like with it, guys. It was within, just to- People it was within hysterical the system. talking to Zach Dillard about that, right? Yeah. Like, uh, when, when we were talking on the, on Chop Fest, uh, what was it? Was it Chop Fest? Was that the name of their podcast back then? I can't remember, but he said, like, coming in hot, like a, like a rebel X-Wing attacking the Death Star of MLB Prospectum, you guys put Ron Lacuni at number one. And I just remember, like, that made me laugh so hard. We actually had it, I had it in my Twitter bio for a long time. But I just kept thinking of, like, is anyone watching this guy play? You know, right? <laughs> like that's yeah, like, kind of my and, and, and that's the thing. Like I said, pretty much anybody within the organization, you know, we don't really like have pretty much any conversations with anybody out of the organization. But we know pretty much anybody within the organization was like, even when he was at Rome, was like Acuna's the guy. Like, even coming out of rookie ball, they were like, this is the guy. Like, watch this guy. This is the guy in the system. And uh, they it, it ended up being right. And this was ended up being a good call. But again, it it was not obviously Acuna for us. It was very close. Um, beyond that, I had – everybody was off Newcomb a little bit. Um, I had him at three. Uh, so y- you, can all, you can all – you can all – I was uh, – you, you, I know you want to believe still. I saw even. one I – I saw, I saw one start in person where he had a good changeup, and I was like, oh, oh, that's great. And then he never threw that changeup again. So, uh, oops. Um uh, yeah, I mean, the top five there, I think, you know, Kyle Wright at that time, you know, having him at five, you know, he was a guy that was seen as, like, the top talent in the entire draft. Like, there there was a lot of talk of that. Yeah, he could have been we, number one in that draft, yeah. Was this before, because this was the, when, this was the summer that we went to Orlando, uh, the, uh, ill-fated Orlando trip. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was this, yep. list well, basically before, everything went wrong in that trip, yeah. Was this list before or after that trip, I don't remember the exact dates. If I'm just being honest about it, I truly don't we saw, because because well, we saw we saw Wright's. Well, it had to have been after because we saw Wright's first start in Orlando, um, barely. Uh, we were late. We were late that day, and I sprinted across like a quarter, like half. No, no, no. You're you're no. See, now we're conflating. We're we're going to be telling uh, Florida trip stories. You're conflating because that was pretty Tarnock's. We 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 got there in plenty of time for rights. It was Tarnock's debut. Okay. It was Tarnock's because you ran it. I mean, for for those who haven't seen Garrett at a game, especially when he's doing <laughs> photography, he's carrying no less than eighty pounds of equipment, and seeing him 
running in like 98 degree, 100 percent <laughs> humidity, running to, to want to be able to take pictures of these guys. And I wasn't running anywhere. Like if you haven't been to the backfields of Disney to watch like minor league games down there, uh, that's you know. You know, very fortunately, this is no longer a thing, but it's like wherever, where you park, it's a long walk. It's kind of a maze to get back to the right fields. It's kind of a miserable existence down there. And Garrett was like hauling because he did not want to miss uh, Freddie pitching. And he's like, and I'm getting texts as I'm walking because you had ran all the way up there. And you're like, okay, uh, they just started. Uh, it's, they have, it's one out and Freddie's on the mound. And I'm like, okay, as long as you're getting pictures, it's fine. But yeah, uh, uh, but the short, short answer is I'm pretty sure this was, it was very, very close. Yeah, it was, really, it, it was right around time. But, you know, Wright's first start um, in Orlando, we really liked what he saw. I mean, his fastball, everything was moving a lot. And I think, you know, he never – he's never looked bad at the minor league level. Like, he just really hasn't. It's just he can't take that to the major league level. But he looked really good in his first start. We never did get to – we never saw Maiton because he literally got promoted like a couple days before we went down there. And uh, we never saw Maiton in person. Yep. Um, yep. Matt, Matt was but this genuinely was, mad. Yep. Uh, this was right – you know, this was the last list that we had Maiton high. One, because he was gone by the next year. But I don't think that we would have had him this high because, I mean, after watching him play, it was clear that he was over right. You know, not watching him play, but after hearing reports and all that, it was clear that he was overranked. But for us, three uh, – Matt's the only one that had him at three. Uh, we just – no, none of us could, could – none of – or as high as three. None of us could uh, agree on who the third best prospect in the system was uh, at that time, and my ton ended up getting the most votes. But, you know, for me, I had Sorok at four, um, which – you know, obviously going back, he would have been at three. And that's a really good top three. Obviously, Cunha, Soroka, I mean, that's a really good top three. It's just, unfortunately, Bright, you know, that point in time was we have draft reports. We've seen him in person. He's looked great. We're going to put him up high. And we don't usually, like, we don't usually go in on guys right after the draft. Um, and since then, I can't think of anybody that we've gone in on after the draft. Even Langoliers, it took almost a year for us to really be convinced of him. And, um, you know, the only guy that we've, the only guy that we've been in within the first, you know, half, there's two guys that we've been in on high after like their first season. CJ Alexander, which was a mistake. And Michael that Harris. Uh, Michael Harris, which the only reason we did it was because I went to Rome that week and was like, wow, this guy's ridiculous. Um, you know, when we had seen him play, but you know, we really don't, we don't go in very high on draft guys pretty much since Kyle Wright because we've, uh, I, I don't know that it took us a few years to figure out that there were issues with Kyle Wright, but overall, this top of the list, the top of the list is very, very close because again, no, there was that one, two, we knew. We were all in agreement that the top two were Acuna and except, except for Matt. Yeah. Except for Matt. But from basically two to – from like three to eight was all over the place, <laughs> like for us. And so I ended up – Yeah, it was a weird list. Uh, it, it, and there was – you know, it was kind of, again, one of those things where we have those bands of guys where these were all kind of like guys that we considered like fringe top 100 but not quite. Some of us were – Already out on Allard, you know, because he had seen some velocity decreases. Some of us were still in on Allard, and it was kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird time where a lot of guys were in kind of a transitional period. Um, 
Soroka was a guy that went up very high on this list from the previous year because he had had a good season. Was this his, this was his Mississippi season where he was out. Yeah. So we, we probably do, we probably do need to talk about that, right? Because I mean, Soroka was great in Mississippi, but Albert, Albert was really good in Mississippi too. Mm-hmm. This was a year where both of those guys got put at double A. They skipped, a, mm-hmm. they skipped a level altogether. And again, this kind of started. Are like this was the peak of the Colby Allard era, right? Like you know, and one of the reasons we we had Kyle Wright ranked so high was because he was picked so highly in the draft. This was like one of the last drafts that the Braves picked high in the draft, and again for a number one overall pick, we just just that or at least a guy who could have been a number one all overall pick talent. We you know we kind of took a chance on him here, but at number six we had Colby Allard. Number seven was Sean Newcomb. Again, opinions on him are all over the place. Uh, Luis Gohara, uh, who was, again, this is kind of, uh, oddly enough, three lefties in a row here, uh, <laughs> uh, really live arm, uh, unfortunately is no longer in the organization. I'm not even sure he's in organized baseball anymore. Started dealing with a lot of problems off the field. Just not necessarily, you know, anything that, you know, like newsworthy per se, but just kind of had some, had some issues at home and combined with just couldn't, you know, get healthy, couldn't stay in shape. Uh, and then we had at number nine, we had Ian Anderson. And then at number ten, uh, which continued our uh, <laughs> our, our love affair with uh, one Tuki Toussaint, which continued and actually jumped up a good bit in the next year or two, uh, surprisingly. But that's a lot of arms, a lot of live arms, and oddly enough, if you look at that six through ten, only one of them really worked. I mean, Ian Anderson's obviously turned out to be a great pick, even though he was an underslot pick where he was picked. Uh, turned out to be the best, uh, best of the bunch from the, that that kind of those 2016-2017 pitcher drafts. That you know they pick him out of a uh, pick him out of a high school in New York, and it just turns out that he was that that change up that he had coming out of high school, and just that overall maturity and kind of being able to n- not have any situation felt feel too big for him. Pitched well throughout the 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 the, the Florida Fire Frogs effect. That we had, and it's going to be demonstrated on some of the hitters below, because you'll notice that there's some uh, glaring names in terms of guys getting demoted. One in particular, who's manning third base for the Braves right now. Um, the information and in kind of how things went down in Florida really kind of, I think, messed us up in a lot of ways. Um, like Tukey definitely looked better than I think he probably was. For his time there in Florida, uh, Ian had his ups and downs uh, in Florida, uh, and then after that, we have uh, an interesting group where we have Christian Pache, Joey Wentz, Alex Jackson, Bryce Wilson, and Travis Demerit. Oh, I can't believe we actually wrecked him higher. So, kind of once before we kind of get into the part where we get to laugh at our, laugh at ourselves a whole lot, what was kind of like once we get past that again, we had that. Let's say we. Most of us have the Acuna Albies band of one and two, and then we have that three through eight, and then we have this next band. What do you remember your thought process being in terms of how to sort those guys out? And do you think that maybe we were like, you know, overemphasizing, overemphasizing throwing with your left hand a little too much? Uh, what kind of what were because this feels like the areas where we made the biggest mistakes uh, is putting a lot of these guys ahead of some guys below them. Uh, now some of this is you know revisionist history because we had reasons to make the decisions that we did, but at the same time, 
like kind of what, why do you think that this group ended up creeping up so high? Well, a few picks there, you know, Jackson, Wilson, Demerit, those three just were very, very good. Jackson, when he first came over from, um, from the Mariners, that first half season before he got hurt with Florida Firefrogs, he was playing catcher. There were good reports about tanks. his, there were good reports about his defense. He wasn't striking out a ton. He was hitting like 300 at that point. And then he never hit that well again. He got hurt. He went on the IL for uh, like a good two months. And never hit again <laughs> at all. Um, I don't think that that was any cause of like the injury. I think he just was not a good hitter and he got lucky for a couple of months, but, um, that was an interesting list. I was one of the reasons that Joey Wentz went very high up. I was from the beginning on Joey Wentz. I love Joey Wentz. I love the arm talent. Um, you know, he never, he, he lost. He lost some velocity in pro ball, but he still always looked really good. And this, this is right the after. The stuff was legit. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, this was his Rome season, I believe, where he was the best pitcher. In the, I mean, he was pitching better than Anderson at that point in that league. And he looked. I, I, I would actually disagree. I think that. It was I very think close. That, I think that number 14 on our list there was actually better than, than Wentz that year. I oh, know. Wilson? Oh, absolutely. Wilson was better. Was better. I, Wilson was the better of the group. I was never very high on Wilson. I had Wilson at 18. Um, I always have my doubts about Wilson, even when you had a little bit of success at the major league level. Um, I was never all that high on Wilson. Um, I don't even really like have a particular reason. He was just one of those guys that never jumped out at me. It was kind of just a mix of averages stuff and good enough command and it just never felt like I don't, I had nothing against Bryce Wilson as a person. I just never saw him developing into kind of that mid rotation starter. I saw him as more of a back end guy. Um, but Wentz, I liked a ton. Um, he looked really great that first year. The curveball was fantastic. The changeup was fantastic. He did everything right. And then after that year, he never got healthy again. Um, and he's still dealing with that. We'll kind of see how he does with the Tigers. I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well. You know, his, his story is not done at this point. You know, we kind of talk about some of these guys like, oh, these were mistakes. Well, Wentz, I mean, is still a legitimate prospect and a guy that can contribute, you know, at the major league level. He just has to, yeah, come he's back young enough to happen. Yeah. He's done very, very, he, he did very well. He's really never, he had some issues in Mississippi when he kind of was dealing with some arm issues. Um, where he struggled, but other than that, he's really never struggled as a professional. Uh, it's just, he's a, he's a guy, Allard is a guy, and, um, he and Allard are both guys. There's someone else, and I can't keep, and I can't think of them, but that guys that had injury issues in high school. Matt, uh, you know, there's, I mean, Withrow had a lot of issues there too. Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah. Um, you know, guys that had injuries in, in injury issues right before the draft and we thought, oh, well, they're fine. And then, which Allard, his injury issues were never related to his back after that, as far as I know, but he did have some trouble staying on the field. He, he had trouble with his velocity and stuff like that. And kind of those guys that I don't trust in general, you don't trust pitchers, but I've started to trust pitchers that have injury issues in high school a lot less and it's just you know if you're already having issues at that age it's usually not a good sign and for you know kind of knowing what I know now and kind of I think we all kind of overranked pitchers at this time 
And then it's kind of, as we've seen these guys get to the upper levels and fail, it's kind of that reality check of pitching is really hard and it's really volatile. And we've kind of all had that reality check of let's bring the pitchers down a little bit because there's a lot of risk there. Even the guys, even a guy like Bryce Elder, who we think is a major league starter, there's risk there. And this is kind of that list, you know, with Johara, with, you know, Wentz, with, Toussaint, where we kind of, this is kind of that lesson in understanding the risk of a pitcher, and these guys just kind of never really, you know, a lot of them, they either never figured it out, or they never got healthy, or they had whatever issues, and that's kind of what I, you know, that's one of the things that I kind of look at at this list, where at the time I was looking at them and going, well, this guy has better stuff, and he's performing better, so I'm going to put him above it, and it's not always that simple you know it's you know kind of a little bit more complicated process going into those thoughts yeah and it was also a lesson in terms of understanding the difference between like a dry spell and like genuine concern and understanding you know profiles and adjustments and what adjustments are being made and worked on because uh for example travis demerit was you know, the Braves acquired in a trade and he was just hitting, you know, tanks and, you know, hit with the balls with a bunch of backspin. And we kind of ignored the strikeout rate as a result because he was just hitting so many home runs that year. But we kind of, as we, we, I think what we, what ended up happening and, you know, spoilers here is that the next five were at 16. We had Austin Riley, who we had moved down on our list after we being, after being pretty high on him, you know, putting him in the top 10, you know, his draft, you know, early on. And then Max Freed, Drew Waters again. This was his draft year as a second round pick, so that's not something that, you know, putting him that high was perfectly reasonable. Didn't feel like you need to put him any higher than that. Uh, Dustin Peterson is a guy that we were kind of famously not particularly high on. And Brett Cumberland, who was a really interesting catching prospect and still is still hanging around. I think he's still with the Orioles organization as a, you know, again, power hitting catching prospect, but putting Austin Riley and Max Freed probably requires a little bit of explanation, putting them in the teams where we put them, especially considering how high that we had Freed in a previous list. So in Austin Riley's case, there's a couple things here. One is that there were genuine concerns about his hit tool. And, you know, in some respects that those concerns still exist because his first half in Rome was not particularly awe-inspiring. Uh, and then he went on a tear to end all tears for the second half of in the second half of Rome. Then for the first half of the 2017 season with the Florida Fire Frogs, again, in the Florida State League, it's notoriously a pitcher-friendly league, and the Florida Fire Frogs were a horrendously run organization just in general, uh, just as a, as a team in terms of amenities, organization, all that stuff. It was kind of just nightmare fuel, right? I don't think that that was good for anybody down there. Uh, some persevered better than others, but... Austin did not look particularly good. And all of a sudden the sample size was we had one, we had his rookie ball stint, which was, had a bunch of power, but certainly had some red flags with strikeout rates. And then we had one half from Rome where he was great. And then another half where he wasn't so great. And then we have this first half down in Florida. And we kind of, we almost doubted ourselves a little bit and we decided just to play it safe a little bit. Now, why, how, why we decided that, you know, putting all these pitchers ahead of him, was the safer bet is something that we <laughs> is was a lesson that we learned uh quickly was not you know was was not going to work out uh obviously he did turn things around gets promoted 
And, you know, again, the history with Austin now became every time he got to a level, it took him a little while to adjust, and then he would adjust and he'd start mashing again because that's just the kind of guy that he is. It just takes him a little while to get adjusted to the level of pitching and how guys are pitching to him at each level. He did so and obviously puts together a campaign that helps the Braves get to the World Series and win it this past year. Max Fried's a different scenario. It's that we never doubted the stuff. The stuff was always there. The issue was that this was uh, during his time in Mississippi, and it felt like every two weeks he had some other injury thing going on, and it was getting spooky. Uh, this is a guy that did have Tommy John surgery uh, on his ledger already, and he was constantly dealing with blister issues. There was a back issue at one point, uh, just tweaked things here and there, just couldn't stay on the field. And for us, it became concerning that whether or not that this was going to be a long-term problem because he just couldn't he couldn't stay on the field. He would, like I think it was. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what, how this lines up with the list, but he had like had multiple. Uh, DL stints by then, and it was just kind of a, a weird situation for Freed because we still loved what he did when he was on the arm. The you know the curveball was still great, you know. The, we still loved the arm speed and all that. We loved the talent, but that wasn't so much. We didn't think that he was good. It was that we just didn't. We were worried that he wasn't healthy at all, um, and certainly didn't look. He didn't look overpowering at Double A either, which didn't help matters. So for this, that's kind of my thoughts on this segment. What about this? Uh, you know, what about this little five five group here? Any thoughts about those guys beyond the fact that you know people kept asking us about Dustin Peterson and that all that seemed fairly uh, unearned for a long time? Yeah, Riley, I we overreacted to um, for sure. I think it's one of those things. Again, you know, and it, it's one of those things you talk about. You have to realize that we didn't have MILB TV for these guys, and we went down. You know. We went down, going down to Orlando. One of the reasons was we hadn't seen these guys in like a year. And we were like, we yep. need to see these guys play. And so for a lot of these guys, they got downgraded because we have nothing but the numbers to go off of. So when a guy's struggling, we just have to take that for what it is. We had to take that for what it is. And that kind of, that was kind of a black hole for us for a long time. Um, and I'm very glad we don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a that was a rough time, and unfortunately, we dropped him too high, too low, based purely off of numbers mostly, and that's you know, a mistake. Again, Freed, I think where he was was justified. It might have been a little bit too low, but I mean, he was awful at Mississippi that first half. Anyway, I'm looking at it right here his first 16 games at Mississippi, and this is Mississippi, a very major pitcher's park. He had a six six three ERA, and yeah, it wasn't was great. constantly hit, was constantly hurt. And so I think dropping him as low as we did, I mean, if a pitcher gets hurt that much and he looks that bad, because, you know, he's he was, what, 23, 24 at this time? 23 yeah, at this time. The math on that I couldn't tell you, yeah. He, he was 23 at this time, which is not – I mean, not – Old for a double A pitcher, but it's not like, you know, you know, if Soroka went up and struggled at double A, well, he's 20, right? Like, he's 20 at double A, it happens. You know, he was 23 at this time. He was the older guy on the roster. He was struggling. He was getting hurt. And it was kind of like, you had concerns. And then he went up to the major leagues and was really good. And it, he's been really good since. And, you know, he just had to get healthy. He was never healthy at any. He was pretty much not healthy at any point during his entire stint in Mississippi, and that hurt him a lot. And we just what we were seeing, I felt like we had to drop him. It just 
was what it was if he's getting hurt that much. You know, if a pitcher is getting hurt that much who already has injury issues and he's struggling, you have to make, you know, decisions that you have to make. And, you know, end of June, he had a 6-6-3 RA. He pitched three more games, didn't allow any runs in those three games, and then he went up to the major leagues and was really good as a reliever. And, I mean, okay. Like, I mean, I guess that had just, I guess that just happened. And some guys, you know, that's, and that's a case of, you know, something that we talk about occasionally where sometimes the scouting of a guy and sometimes the guy's skill level is ahead of the numbers. And, you know, in, in Freed's case, one, it was just getting healthy. And that was the main issue with him was just getting healthy. But a lot of times, you know, especially at, you know, double A level, stuff like that. Guys are working on particular pitches and maybe they're throwing their change up more than they normally would. And it's getting hit a lot and they have a inflated ERA because of that. But really there's nothing wrong there. And that kind of happens. And that's one of those things where it's just a matter of if you watch the game, see what's happening. Sometimes you see, okay, he's struggling, but there's more there. I think Spencer Strider had some of those issues this year too in Mississippi where he kind of had like a four something RA, but if you watched him game in and game out, it was like, yeah, okay, he's better than that. He's very clearly better than that. It just kind of happened. And, you know, I think Freed with the injuries and kind of that situation, it didn't work for him. And we probably, we might have overreacted a little bit, but given the information that we had at the time, I don't think that it was like some sort of like, negligent sort of thing where he should have been top 10 and we were ridiculous to put him that low. It, it, there was a reason for it at least. Whereas with Riley, I think it was just a matter of we didn't have the access to the information we needed to know better. Uh, demerit. Um, I was high on demerit, fairly high on demerit at the time. Not, you know, the demerit is better than Albie's group of people, but <laughs> that group of people was one big. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was Bernie Pleskov. That was it. But, that was the only but, person who thought that. But, um, but you know, I, I was high on demerit. You know, I like the power. I like the athleticism. And then it just kind of seemed like I got out, off of demerit very quickly. I got off of him almost as quickly as I got onto liking him. Uh, and there were more than just on the field stuff with that. But it's a matter of, you know, he just – he hit very well at double A. He hit a ton of home, more home runs than you will almost ever see a guy hit in that stadium. And there was a reason for us to put him high. Um, but eventually after a while of watching him get absolutely fooled by, you know, average double A starters, sliders at that some point, you're kind of like, Oh, that guy's not going to hit anymore. And, you know, this was fairly soon after we had traded for him and we kind of like, wow, he's doing well. He's, you know, all this is happening. This is great. Yeah, it's, the shiny, and, it's, it's, it's the shiny new toy thing. And yeah. then you watch him a little bit more. You're like, maybe not. And that, that kind of happened with him. Um, Alex Jackson, again, was a guy that after we watched him play, we were kind of like, man, okay, never mind. I was, I liked Drew Waters. We all liked the Drew Waters pick a lot. Um, yep. We love the Drew yep. Waters pick. Yep. We're never, Pratt, we're, we're, Pratt, never Pratt, gonna put a, we're never going to put a second round guy in like the top ten, especially as good as the system was at this time. But I think that that's a good ranking. Um, I was, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think other than that, I mean, otherwise, I mean, Peterson was where he needed to be. Everyone pretty much on this list was kind of where they needed to be at this time. But you know, I think 
the Riley one was an overreaction. The Freed one was just that was a very scary time in Max Freed's career. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we are running a little bit out of time, but I do want to run down the picks. I'll offer some kind of thoughts on some names as I'm running through, and then I'll give Garrett the chance to kind of close things out for us here. Uh, but then uh, after Cumberland at 20, at 21, we had Ricardo Sanchez. At 22, we had Patrick Weigel. This was after he got hurt. Uh, this is an arm that we really, really liked. He was a minor league pitcher of the year, uh, had all the, has all the ability in the world, but unfortunately never has been able to really come back from injury. Um, after he, you know, after his elbow went, uh, then Lucas Sims, uh, all the, we had the, all the highs and lows from the Lucas Sims era. We had him, uh, all the way up in the top five and now we have him, uh, you know, basically down towards the, the, the bottom of the barrel here as he had, uh, been struggling to stick as a starter and seemed more and more likely he was going to end up as a reliever. Uh, one of the prospects that was taken away, uh, when, uh, the John, Cop- John Coppola scandal, uh, in addition to Kevin Maitan was Jeffrey Del Rosario. That was an arm that we liked a lot. Small framed guy, but a guy that we really liked the curveball and the fastball certainly had promise. A guy that we watched, mul- uh, we watched multiple times. I think we actually got to see him both throw multiple times down there in Florida, if memory serves. Uh, still, you know, again, not a guy that I'm not sure if he's ever going to turn anything, but we certainly liked the arm back then. Uh, AJ Minter makes a, makes an appearance on the list at 25 here. This is kind of when we're, uh, still not sure how we want to, uh, treat relievers on our prospect list. And frankly, I'm not sure if we've ever really resolved that. Um, another prospect, an international prospect that was, that was taken away from the Braves and Abraham Gutierrez, uh, catching prospect that, uh, was certainly a really promising bat. Uh, Lucas Herbert, uh, oddly enough, uh, Colby Allard's battery mate from high school, uh, that was picked by the Braves. Uh, Really, really gifted defensive catcher. Just never figured out how to hit. He ha- he hit a little bit in rookie ball. Then he had a meniscus issue, and frankly, they should have never they should have given him more time in rookie ball before putting him in the full season ball. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. And while all the pop times and everything that you'd want from a catcher, he had all of them. Um, unfortunately, this is pretty much as good as it got with him because he's never hit enough to, you know, justify being ranked any higher than that, and you unfortunately end up uh, being gone. Randy Ventura, the legend, uh, makes an appearance on the list down here at number uh, 28. Uh, he <laughs> stole a ton of bases in the DCL, was kind of a running meme over in the comment sections of our site for a long time, uh, ended up being at Rome, and uh, certainly had some exciting games here and there, stealing bases, using his speed to make things happen, but they traded him away relatively quickly. As it turns out, no one seemed particularly fond of him as a human being. Uh, Freddie Tarnock, uh, we, who we liked as kind of one of those those day two picks, those early ones, he was a bit of a pop-up type guy in the draft, and we liked him back then. That has turned out pretty well as, you know, the he's turning into uh, a, easily a top-ten prospect in the Brave system now. Uh, and Junior Severino is a bat that I will die on the hill that I love that guy. As a, as, as a third base prospect, I thought he was going to hit. I thought he could, he could end up being really something special, hitting for power uh, and playing the position pretty well. Another prospect that was taken away, and unfortunately he's never really caught on anywhere else. The Braves are pretty fortunate that a lot of the guys that got taken away from him in, from the IFAs, none of them really seem to turn out well. I don't know if you know them getting their lives turned upside down, you know, one thing caused the other uh, in terms of their ability to you know, develop was interrupted or anything like that. But overall, you know, the, the losses haven't been particularly high in that regard. Uh, Garrett, from that last bo- ba- bottom of the batch, you have any names you want to kind of highlight really quick? Yeah, um, I was very high on Del Rosario. Um, I actually still kind of like Del Rosario. He's dealt with some injury issues, which, again, that's it's kind of the small frame. He's probably going to end up being a reliever. Um, but 
uh, Del Rosario. I noticed that Kyle Muller is not in our top 30. Uh, he was been drafted the year before. And this was what we were talking about. Um, we had talked about on the last episode. He had had um, velocity issues, very big velocity issues. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he had like uh, a I set, had him set back my, down to like in like the high 80s. Yeah, I had ha- I had him in my top 30. This was see, I jumped on him very quickly because this was around the time you had sent me um, a couple videos of his, um, you know, the way he had retooled his mechanics, and I was like, oh, I really like that. Like, I had really liked the way they had retooled his mechanics, and so I had went ahead and put him, jumped him in the top 30. I was like, yeah, let's go for it. Um, most of us did not. Um, he was kind of a fringe guy, though. I mean, he was not a guy that we were out on completely. We weren't like, this guy's done, his career's over. We, you know, he was kind of in that, like, guy that would rank, like, 35 for most of us. You know, he just didn't get enough points to kind of get in the top 30. Yeah, yeah kind of when, you, when you're, when you get reports that he's, like, throwing 88, 89, that was spooky. Yeah. Severino, honestly, looking back on it, I think we ranked him too low. Um, based on what we knew of him at the time. Uh, I think he was might have been a little bit too low. You know what we had seen of him. You know of the guys that we saw in the GCL, including Wright, including Wright, including um, Tarnock that we had saw in the GCL. I think he was the most impressive of all of them. Um, and uh, that 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 throw from ULE to Ule Lopez, uh, that, yeah, that, that single single best play I've I've watched live in minor leagues. <laughs> the, 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 uh, a guy who, by the way, has never done anything else, anything else in his minor league career. Let's be clear about this. He was in the right field corner yeah. fielding a ball, and he threw a missile to third base that landed in the guy's glove on the fly. And there was profanity being uttered in multiple languages when that when that throw came in. The, the guy was safe, but I was. I was blown up. That I remember I was on the third base line uh, taking pictures at the time, and I remember looking up at you guys in the stands like, did that throw just happen? And you were looking at me like, what? Who is this guy? We all had the first same thought, which was, who is that? Uh, they tried him as a pitcher. Never worked out because uh, he could not throw strikes. Isn't always very surprising, but he struck out a lot of guys. He threw – he had a cannon. Uh, but yeah, Severino, I honestly think we ranked a little bit too low, and I'm, he is one that I'm kind of surprised is, uh, never picked up. Abraham Gutierrez is still hanging around in the Philly system. He's still a legitimate prospect. Uh, he had a pretty good season last year. He's a guy that could, uh, turn into something, probably won't, but he could. Um, then some guys that kind of had just missed the list. Um, this was like, Right at the beginning of the um Israel Wilson experience. Uh we won't go into that too much. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. All in run hell. Um Jean Carlos Encarnacion was this when he was doing he, he was doing very well in Danville at this time, I wanna say. I can't remember. He was either Danville or so, so yeah, about to say we're we're kind of getting into an area now where we we had very limited information because this was a midseason update, right? Like, right. I think right, that right. if like like Junior would have been probably in the team somewhere. We all liked yeah. him a lot. Yeah, we liked uh, him. And we and we just hadn't seen enough of JCE yeah. yet. To, uh, I know. was very high on Levon Soto. I loved his defense. Um, he couldn't hit at all. Yeah, um, by, by swinging a swinging a toothpick is what that guy was. He couldn't hit at all. Yeah. He's a good defender though. But uh, I, I was too high on him. But yeah, I mean, I think. It, that's a lot of talent for the back of the list. A guy like Severino, a guy like Tarnock now that I mean, that's a guy that we're talking about being like one of the guys and in the system now. And like, 
this is a dude that was just like 29th on our list. Aaron Gutierrez was one of the top, you know, prospects in, you know, the entire international class. And he's here in here at 26. It's kind of wild how much talent is on this list. And a lot of that is just us not knowing these guys. We couldn't put them higher because we just didn't know them, especially a guy like Tarnock. But there's a lot of, you know, Tarnock, I think in a lot of ways, you know, we've kind of been helped and hurt by him. You know, there's kind of times where we're like, oh, he's the guy. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there he goes again, getting hurt or whatever. But Tarnock was kind of the one that paved the way for guys like AJ Smith, AJ Smith Shaver, um, where we're kind of willing to go in on these arm talents that they graft and look at them and say, Hey, I mean, that's, you know, him turning out fairly well so far is kind of a one reason that we kind of look at a guy like Smith Shaver and say, Hey, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and put him, you know, in our twenties because the talent is there and we see in Tarnock what high athleticism, high talent can do for a guy and you know yeah, that's kind of an interesting one where we kind of we had Tarnock in that back end of the top 30 for quite a while and then he just exploded and I like you know I like that pick down there it's kind of it's kind of an interesting look at kind of the way we evaluated a guy right out of the draft now versus how we would kind of rank I think he would rank higher if we did it today I think he would probably not much higher, but he'd probably be in more of the early twenties than like barely sneaking on the list. Yeah, it was a tough call just because uh, he was a pop up guy too. It wasn't um, like he was a guy that like even late in the draft process for everybody. Uh, I don't. I didn't have any problems where we ranked him per se. I don't think I even have problems where we ranked him looking back at it. Obviously, with the benefit because even back then he was a very very raw guy, right? Um, when you're looking at like a guy like AJ Smith Shaver, I mean, like, like, you know, Tarnock wasn't throwing as hard as AJ Smith was, uh, you know, AJSS is, was, is throwing and he, you know, like I, he, like AJ is a better pitcher now than Freddie was back then. Now that's not the case. I mean, obviously, you know, Tarnock's had this lot of time to develop and all that stuff, but, uh, this is, uh, but you, you are right in the sense that, you know, Guys who are picked on day two, uh, even if their arms, we're willing if they if we get good reports on them and we like the stuff. We're we are very fluid in how we make lists. Like if we'll, we'll put a guy in the twenties and then if they really struggle and they just doesn't look like that they're going to be doing anything, then we just have no problems moving them off the list. You know, at the end of the day, these lists are about creating conversation, getting exposure, uh, and just kind of getting a better understanding of how we look at guys and what we look for in terms of talent. But that's always a very fluid and constantly developing process. It's not something that we get wedded to. Uh, there's guys that we, we move guys around our lists all the time. And that's just how it goes. Uh, and I think that that kind of speaks to this 2017 list is that, you know, the middle part of this list got a little wonky because I think we just got a little arm happy. Um, but at the same time, these were all really highly regarded pitching prospects at the time. Um, but over time, we've kind of, you know, started to move a little bit away from that. But also, you know, if we feel like a guy makes a turnaround and, you know, pulls things together, gets healthy, uh, gets more consistent at the plate, gets more consistent on the mound, you know, adds that third pitch, we have no problems moving him up too. So, well, Garrett, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, you know, again, we, I always think these are going to be shorter than they are. And here we are at close to an hour of recording, uh, talking about a list that we made five years ago, but here we are. Uh, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, if you want to make sure you never miss an episode, make sure you search battery power on whatever your pot preferred podcast purveyor is, uh, you know, whether that be Spotify, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, iTunes, whatever you choose to use, 
you search Battery Power, not only will you get this podcast, you'll get the Battery Power flagship program hosted by the great Brad Rowland and the Daily Hammer hosted by the great Sean Coleman, where we talk all the, all the Major League stuff that you ever want, both in kind of a daily format, which is the Hammer, and then the weekly longer former form, fo- format, which is hosted by Brad. Thanks again so much for all the support on the podcast. Starting next week, we're going to be previewing the 2020 minor league season a bit more, uh, more kind of in-depth is what it looks like on the, each of the levels. Uh, depending on the level of information that is available next week, we'll be kind of determine what the format's going to be. But we are beginning that deep dive because after that, we have minor league games starting, and that's where we kind of get to have some fun. But thanks again so much for all the, pot, the support and love on the podcast recently, and until next time, we'll see you on the road.